Hi, this is Joel Johnson for another Rainmaker Evolution podcast. Very excited to have my good friend and a special guest on with us today, Ray Cruz, who hails from Chicago. And uh, before we get started, I just want to remind you that for compliance purposes, if you get any ideas from this podcast that you're going to use with the public, whether it's clients or prospective clients, you are responsible for your own compliance. Ray or I or Advisors Excel is not responsible and cannot be held liable for your faux pas from a regulatory standpoint. Um, with that said, uh, Ray, I've known Ray for almost 10 years now. We shared a cab in Nashville, he and his wife and me and my wife, at the second journey, or maybe, maybe it was the third journey I did. Actually, it was the journey I did. It was journey Nancy and I did, and we got to know him a little bit, and have known him since, and he's been in our Rainmaker group since day one. I've attended the Indy 500 twice with Ray. He was very gracious to invite me and my boy out there, and so uh, Ray's a good friend, smart business person. Ray, welcome. Awesome to be here, Joe. 2020, let's do it, baby. It's 2020. So who are you, Ray? Tell, tell, tell the audience who Ray Cruz is. So I grew up in a military family. Uh, my dad uh, is originally from Puerto Rico. My mom is from Panama. My dad, eight members in his family. When, you know, he had 18, uh, we can't feed you anymore. you got to go. So he joined the U.S. Army. And uh, because he spoke Spanish, he was stationed uh, in the Canal Zone, uh, Panama. Remember when he was still in the Canal Zone? Yeah. So because he spoke Spanish, the military usually likes soldiers that speak the language of the country that they're stationed in. So he was stationed down in the Canal Zone protecting the canal. He, he met my mom there. They got married. Uh, my dad got transferred to uh, Fort Ford, California, and uh, that's where I was invented. And uh, we just grew up, and, you know, anytime we needed a vacation, the military would move us every three years, and that's what our vacations were. And my dad did two tours in Vietnam, so when he went to Vietnam or to Korea, my mom would go down to Panama. So I spent a lot of years in Panama. I went second grade through um, seventh grade in Panama. And then uh, when I was going into eighth grade, my dad got transferred to Fort Riley, Kansas, um, and we went to Junction City High School there, so I have a little bit of, uh, of passion for Topeka and Junction City and just Kansas, where, as we all know, our FMO is, because uh, that's where I grew up, you know, with, with some of my uh, formative years. Um, married to Monica, have two children. My daughter just became a police officer. Uh, that's been her passion forever. She worked here for a couple of years uh, and doing an internship, and then she worked here two years as she went forward and figured out how to become a police officer. She did that July uh, 3rd of last year. And my son, Christian, who will be 25 next year, uh, came out of college. I told him to go apply to American Funds and Allianz and all of these other companies, and he didn't listen to him, and he went and applied at Advisors Excel. And he got the job three months before he graduated. So he's worked at Advisors Excel for the last three and a half years. And uh, he came on board last October. He's been with me now three months, and he's literally a rock star. Great. Uh, the three years that he spent at Advisors Excel really um, made him come here and, you know, hanging out with those young, good-looking, sports-oriented guys in Topeka and learning that culture. Uh, I think my son was the first 
I think, son or daughter of any rep uh, that has ever um, gone on board and worked with advisors and then come on board, you know, a financial planning team like I have. Uh, but I'm not positive about that. But uh, he learned a lot there, and he's a rock star right now. And uh, we're looking forward to growing the firm. Great. So I have I. The next question is probably the most important question on this podcast. When he went to work at Advisors XL, did he have to don the Advisors XL uniform of the blue suit and the brown shoes and the brown uh, belt? With a white shirt with no tie, did he was he converted to that uh, particular? Um, stack? I I don't know if he was converted, but I know he has all of that, Joel. <laughs> That's good. He should yeah. he should care. There's something magic about that uniform. If you look at how well AE is doing, so yeah. so hey, so this is interesting. I think you're the first person on this podcast that that has lived around the world. You know, I grew up and uh, I was born in Buffalo, New York but then spent a couple of years down in St. Thomas, and then we spent a few years down in um, uh, in the Bahamas, and then I moved back up to the U.S. when I was seven. Um, so those first few years, I was moving a lot, and then when I was a teenager, we moved to Southern California. And I think you're the first guy I've had on this podcast that's moved probably more than I did growing up. What is, What were some of the pros and cons, and did that did that give you a different perspective on your day-to-day right now? So when you're on a military base, Joel, whether it's Army or Air Force or Navy, whoever it is, you just don't know any different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know that, hey, at some point you're going to move. Sometimes you got two weeks. Sometimes you got six months. So we really didn't know any different. Um, so growing up was, you know, a new adventure every three years when you got moved. Uh, and you learned really to make friends really, really easy. And um, you learned that you know, things, you're always going to have to prove yourself, right? Because everything yep. that you've already proved one place, well, nobody knows you at the next place, so you got to prove yourself. One of the things that I was always pretty good at was sports. So I played baseball, I played football, uh, in track. I was a short-distance runner, so I was pretty fast, um, believe it or not, Joel. Uh, I ran the 100 and the 220. I also did um, the discus, and I did the javelin in Junction City, Kansas, actually actually. Um, so I always kind of proved myself and made friends really, really easily with sports. Um, I can tell you the bad move was is I moved between my junior and senior year in high school. So we come from the Canal Zone, Cristobal High School, and um, went to Fort Riley and then Junction City High School, and I had to move between my junior and senior year. So literally everybody that I grew up with, and if you go back, Joel, and you can imagine, 8th grade through 12th grade, right? Right. Those are some very formidable years, and I had to leave my baseball team, my football team, all the friends that I've had for four or five years in my teenage years, and that move really sucked between junior and senior year. I end up here in the Chicagoland area, and um, we're here nine months, and then my dad says, hey, we're moving again because he's moving up the chain of command. And my dad, if I didn't mention earlier, went in as a buck private, and he retired as a command sergeant major. And that's as high as you can go without having a college education in the military. And when my dad said, hey, we're moving again to Fort Monroe, Virginia, I went, hold on a second. I just went through this. I'm graduating as a senior now. I don't think I want to do this again. 
So I said, hey, I'm going to just look for a small college here. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know um, what I wanted to study. And I said, you know, I'm going to find a small school here, and I'm not going to move anymore. And that decision and that move right there has really, you know, been a major decision, which I didn't know at the time, um, with what my life has turned out to be at this point. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I moved a lot, and at the time it sucked. But now I think it's an advantage because I learned to adapt. Yep. Um, and uh, and I have no problem with you. Like if you told me I had to move to Houston tomorrow or, or Dallas or uh, Florida or where, I would have no problem with that. And uh, my wife, Wendy, who lived in the same house her entire life, I mean, that would be a very traumatic thing for her. And so it's just interesting some of the things that, you know, I look back and you probably feel the same way. Growing up, these things seem like major things, and yet at the same time, I think they train us in a way that some people never never get that feel. Um, so, yeah, so thanks for talking about that. I was curious about that. So to go back five years, Ray. So we're sitting here. It's early 2020, 2015. What did your business look like in 2015? So can we go back a little further, Joe? Because sure, I think it's absolutely. important. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first came on board with Advisors Excel, I, I pretty much came from – like how you started. I was mostly in the securities area. So we had about $85 million in American funds, had a little bit of life insurance, a bunch of variable annuities that we did. And when I kind of saw the writing on the wall, but it wasn't something that kind of hit me in the head. And I went, you know what? People are getting older. They have these large amounts of accounts. They're going to have it mostly in IRA and 401k accounts. So back then I made a decision and I'm like, you know what, I better know more about IRAs and 401ks. And I joined the Ed Slot group and I've been a part of their group now for, I think, 15 years this year. Uh, and he asked me last year to be on his board, you know, to kind of help out the group and to give them advice on how they should run the organization. So that's one decision that I made that was a big difference before I joined Advisors Excel. And then the other thing was, is I literally had to transform my securities business into even though I was a certified financial planner, we really weren't doing financial planning. So turn it into a you know securities firm into a financial planning firm that brought in safe investments because we really didn't do a lot of safe investments back then. So it took me a while because you know how busy we are, Joel. Right? When right. you're the only producer, and, you know you're trying to change your business and you've got to take care of service. You got to produce business. It's difficult to place all of that and get it done like in one month or two months or six months, right? So I had to kind of transform my business into a financial planning and safe money firm in addition to market stuff. In addition to that, in American funds, you know, we were getting 25 basis points on the money and we weren't, you know, getting as much as we get now for everything that we provide. So it took me a while to, number one, learn the fixed equity index annuity business put in planning into the firm, and so forth. So the Ed slot and transforming the business just takes time because you're busy doing everything else. So when we, we came on board, we were probably doing, you know, between 3 and $5 million a year. And one of the things that we really started to do um, is really track our numbers. So I got numbers going back to 2012. In 2012, and total amount of production, again, just me as one producer, we did 6.5. Uh, five years ago, we did 10.7. Uh, 
Um, in 2018, we did $21.5 million. Again, just me as a sole producer. And that's everything. That's managed money, annuities. Yeah. Um, and then the last two years, we've, uh, we've uh, had some challenges. Um, and we've had to overcome those challenges. But I'm glad where we're going. And I'm glad that Christian's really on board. Because one of the things that I really realized is of every great firm that's out there, and I didn't realize this, by the way, until the end, actually two weeks ago, every great firm that's out there, Joel, including yours, there's always a second person that's really getting a lot of the stuff done. So like in your firm, it's Eric and Brian, right? Which the, yep. with the HSP, and guys. And Lori. Let's not forget Lori, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to forget Lori, but I never see Lori, and I see, you know, Brian and Eric a lot. But with, like, the SHP guys, it's three of them, right? With every firm, like, um, with Randy and Arwen, it's two of them. With the Hollands, it's two of them. And I've never really felt like I've had that second person. And now with my son being on board, I feel like I have that second person and we're going to explode. Does that make sense? Yeah, So totally. a lot of the stuff that we haven't implemented yet, we're going to be implementing now because I've got that second person that gets it. It has a little bit of experience in the industry and, and is, is going to make it, you know, kind of go forward. How many staff um, people do you have right now, Ray? So we currently have, let's, let me count them, one, two, three, four, hold on, one, two, three, four, five, including me. And we have a couple of interns that show up during holidays and, uh, and uh, during summer breaks and that type of stuff. So tell me about the type of marketing you were doing five years ago or seven years ago, wherever, however far you want to go back, and then what you're doing today. Well, as you know, Joe, we really weren't doing any marketing. It was referral. It was existing clients. I had done a couple of workshops that had just, you know, worked out badly, okay? Um, and we really didn't get any appointments, and I really didn't have a structure. I didn't have a beginning story. I did not have an emotional and tactical close at the end of them. And the two workshops that we did, you know, we spent $16,000, and I went, wow, no appointments from it. Just horrible, right? And the people that were in the room were really not even qualified. They were just there kind of for the dinner. Um, so it was just horrible, and I said, well, I don't want to do that anymore. And I'll be a little bit vulnerable here, Joel. I did a whole bunch of things wrong, and, you know, I want to say maybe eight years ago, I was three hundred thousand dollars in debt. And That's tough. That's tough. Have you been there? Uh, I mean, not uh, quite to that degree, no. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I, I, we borrowed some money to to build out our space here, but we could have paid cash. So I, I have not been to the point where I had that kind of money in debt without the same amount or more in the you know somewhere else as, as an asset. So that, right. That's, that sounds like a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure, and I'm trying to change things and move things, and you're the only producer, and you're the one that's doing service and everything else. And as I sit here right now, we have no debt except for the marketing that we're currently doing, and we've got a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank as an emergency fund, right? So it goes back to, you know, your question of marketing. We really weren't doing a lot of marketing, and I was, I think, had enough common sense to buy you dinner one night 
before I think it may have been before the World Series of Sales or something. It was. It was. It was in Scottsdale because it was the first time I had been at a Mastros or Maestros or whatever that steak place is, and it was awesome. And by the way, I, I need to remind you because you probably don't remember this. I like the fact that you're taking credit for buying me dinner. Wait, wait, wait! Uh, no, no, let me finish the story. Let okay, all right. <laughs> okay, so so I, I call you up and I say, "Hey, Joel, right? Let me take you to dinner. I just want to pick your brain." And we sat down, and you said, here's how I do it, Ray, and I have all these territories, and this is, and we rotate them around every two months, and, and this is how we set it up. So everything that you teach in the Rainmaker class now. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't like doing seminars, because I had had that bad experience, remember, that I told you before, where it didn't work, right? Yep. It didn't work, and I spent a whole bunch of money, and I've been in debt, and I'm like, well, I don't want to do that again. So then I said, okay, what can I do? to do the same territories and do this. And later on, I came up with, you know what? I'm really good at teaching the classes. I enjoy teaching the classes. Yeah, it's twice as much time. Yeah, we spend the same amount of money. But again, I enjoy teaching the classes. And if you're in front of me for four or six hours, you got to love me. Because number one, I make it fun. Num number two, I know my stuff, right? And number three, I'm genuinely and honestly trying to help people as a CFP and being a fiduciary for them. So if you're a good fit, we connect. And we're still getting most of our best clients through the FMT classes that we do. But I didn't want to do the seminars. Now, I started to do some of the seminars, by the way, Joel, last year. And guess what? I don't know if it's on better. I don't know if it's the marketing better. I don't know if it's the mail houses. But now I'm starting to do those, which are just an hour. And we're closing just as many people from them now as we have from the classes. But the classes just positions you a little bit different because, number one, they're paying to come see you. Number two, you're spending a lot more time with them, okay? And you're giving them a book, and they have all this book and all this information. So you're positioned as like a college professor. So it's just a different in positioning. And what I did to really capture the territory was is I said, look, you want to come into my territory and do a seminar go for it all day long go do it but nobody's coming into my territory and doing my classes so i just bought up the three different territories because i know it works for us and nobody else can come in and do those and what was really funny john what i thought was amazing was right is i offered to do a good deed and buy you dinner and you're gonna help out a younger guy right because i'm much younger than you are and um I didn't even have to buy your dinner. I think Jake Klima picked up the check at the end of the night, which Jay was Klima, hilarious. Jake Klima walked over and picked up the check, and I quickly ordered some takeout. <laughs> which was so amazing, I, did, right? I, I didn't really do that. But, yeah, that was very nice of Jake. I remember that. We were sitting there. I had, That was one of the best steaks I've had. And uh, and then Jake comes over and picked up the check. So thank you, Jake, if you're listening. But uh, but it's interesting. You know, you go back to this, and... and uh, there are not a lot of people that do this that'll say, hey, let me take you to dinner and just pick your brain for three hours. And I've learned more in my career doing that. I remember sitting down in Naples, Florida, and uh, I, was, I was with three or four other people. And we just sat there and talked about the business for a long, long time. And there was a guy over in the corner that was quiet, um, one of us, one of us four. And turns out he was the biggest producer there. And uh, as soon as I found that out, uh, somebody had to drag it out of him. You know, he's kind of a humble guy. As soon as I found that out, I made sure I spent as much time as I could with him on that trip. Just, you know, just 
suck in as much information as I could. And for me, that kind of thing does two things. One, it gives me roadmap, it gives me an idea, but I think the biggest advantage, or one of the big advantages it gives me when I hang around with somebody like that that's doing so much more business than I am, is it just gives me confidence. You know, I'll look at somebody and go, well, you know, they might be smarter than I am, they might have a better work ethic, but if he's doing 5X, I can probably do three or four. I might not get to his level. So I think there's some magic that really happens when you're able to spend time um, one-on-one with people. And I don't say that like I'm taking credit for your success, Ray, but I don't think there's enough people in the business that do that these days. And it's important. Or or joining a group. You know, you talked about Ed Slot. I mean, I can just imagine. I'm not part of the Ed Slot community, but I can just imagine the ideas and the confidence and the knowledge and the camaraderie that you get when you're in a community like that. And it's got to make it feel like you're not alone, right? Yeah, and you know what's amazing about that story that you just talked about where the idea for the classes, I got that in the bathroom with Lee Heider. We haven't seen Lee in a while because he's you know doing his own thing. But the, the idea for the classes, I got from Lee Heider. If I'm not in that bathroom and we're just talking, you know what I mean? Who knows? But that's where I got that idea, and that idea has totally changed my business. So yeah. you know, like, you know, you know what a lot of people are thinking right now about you. Yeah, and, and the I know. Did Lee have those glasses hanging from his, his little string there? I was, I was worried about my thing, Joe. So we were just talking. I wasn't uh, worried about anything that Lee was doing. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. So, so let's talk about this. So, what are the main factors or? or um, things that have contributed to your success, your growth in business uh, over the years? So one of the things is, is confidence, like you just said. So as you know, I have these little Facebook groups that, you know, I'm a part of and so forth. And I'll go on there and I'll ask a bunch of guys questions. You know, so I have like Josh Blake around the Phoenix area. I've got Nick Royer in the Florida area. I've got Eric Peterson. You know, these are some of my best friends nowadays, by the way. Uh, uh, Eric Peterson out in Iowa. I've got Joe Lucy you know, up in, in Minnesota, and I'll just say to these guys, either through a text or through a Facebook, hey, what's working for marketing, right? And then I'll find out that sometimes white glove works in one area, but it won't work in another area. I'll ask different questions on planning. I'll ask, you know, different uh, advice on different things that people are doing. Hey, is this working? Is it not working? Did you tweak it? Did you make it better? So I, I as you know, I'm kind of connected with a lot of different groups and a lot of different areas because I I, I, I want to have information. I like, you know, I'm like an information junkie, I guess. Um, so I like to gather a lot of information and then implement it when I need it. Um, so the confidence thing is really, really important. The other thing was is, is, you know, I was never really taught to market. I was It was always my own business, but I was associated with another group. And I was frustrated. And this is going back probably 25 years, Joel. I was really frustrated. Because it was just me, of course, doing everything. And I did 150, you know, in gross one year, 150 in gross one year, 150 again. Three years in a row, I hit 150. And it was like, I'm working, you know, seven days a week, you know, 12 hours a day. I'm like, I can't continue to do this and just hit 150. So I start to look on, you know, different magazines and different stuff. And the Bill Good system, right, comes up. And it says, hey, you know, you do one mailing with us and your $10,000 fee to us, you'll get it back in one mailing. So I go to the people that are kind of, you know, it was like an agency, but we were all independent. I said, hey, what do you guys think about this idea? And all of them laughed at me. Every single one of them laughed at me. 
Oh, don't spend $10,000 on that. That's the dumbest thing in the world you could do. When all of them told me that, I went, you know what? That's a sign. <laughs> so I did it. I invested $10,000, and literally, in the first 45 to 60 days, I got all of my money back, and I started to recreate how to run my practice. So then I hired you know, a person to do a bunch of my calling stuff, and then I hired another person. So I started to really build the agency there. Um, so that's something that, you know, you got to look at different things outside of the people that you're kind of hanging around, right? Because those people kept me down. I, I, I've seen the numbers on that agency recently. I produce myself more than all of them do. And there's like four guys still left there. So the confidence thing is really important. Never quit. Never, ever, ever quit. There are, times, there, there are times when you want to quit, when it's hard, when it struggles, when, you know, and I've heard you say this, Joel, you've been out there on a Sunday night to write a case so you could get advanced on it to pay your bills on, you know, Tuesday, right? Yeah. I've been there more times than I want to admit, but, you know, that's never, ever quit. You just never know when that opportunity is going to happen. And the other thing is, is, is I grew up in a poor military family. My mom never worked outside the home. Great mom. We always had food on the table. We always had clothes on my back. And my dad had military training. Now, in the military, there is no Anthony Robbins training. There is no Joel Johnson training. There is no Jack Canfield training. There's no Zig Ziglar training, right? So I didn't get any of that stuff until I was much, much later, older in life. Now, my son, because I used to take him to school, because my uh, wife is a volleyball coach, so I used to take him to school in the morning, and I was always have like an Anthony Robbins or Zig Ziglar tape in the car as I'm taking him to school. He got that training when he was, you know, literally two, three years old, and he got that training the whole time. So I'm always, I'm always passionate on training and making sure that I'm still developing my mind because there's a lot of garbage in there that I got to overcome to get to the good stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. So are you doing anything besides the college classes now, the, you know, the Steve, the White Glove, the uh, FMT or whatever it is? Are you doing yeah. anything besides, are you, is that your one marketing channel that's working so well, that's just all you're doing? No, because that would be foolish because my trainer at the Rainmaker Group says that you got to do more than one thing. So, no, we are doing the classes. We just ran our numbers. Um and it looks like the FMT classes that we're running is where most of our clients came from. Uh, last year, we're still tweaking those numbers. I just met with the team about that a couple of days ago. But we're also doing uh, the David Bach uh, women, uh, women's class. We just did yeah. two of those at the end of the year. I have met with uh, three ladies, I think, from that class because we did it end of November going into December. Lady came in yesterday, $2 million from that class. And she already says she's firing her advisor because uh, he's 80 years old and he needs a new heart valve um, and he wants to deal with somebody younger. She literally told me that. Um, and we got a $2 million prospect that came in from that. And unbeknownst to me, she's been listening to me on the radio for two years. She told me that yesterday when I met with her. So we're doing the daily so fire doing, class. So you're doing radio, the classes, and uh, the, the David Box stuff. Right. And then we will also sprinkle in, we will also sprinkle in a steep class. And we will also sprinkle in a couple of other classes here. So steep has a couple of different classes. And then I just, I'm doing a white glove on Thursday. So right. I'm doubling my marketing this year because now I've got to feed Christian leads, right? Yep. 
Christian will be trained here in another three months. I got to feed him leads, so I'm doubling my marketing. So we're doubling our marketing this year, and we're sprinkling in anything and everything. And I would have never done this, Joe, five, six, seven years ago. But I now know, and you might remember me asking you about your numbers uh, in class, you know, so when you close a client, you know, how much money do you make? So I know that every new client that comes in, okay, and it changes here and there, but I know that every class that I do, if I bring in a client from that, I make $19,403.56 from every new client. That's just in first year. That doesn't include managed money. That doesn't include life insurance. It's later. So if I'm spending, say, five to $8,000 on a class, and I know I'm going to pick up two clients from every event that I do, and when I say every event, some you may not pick up any, but on another one, you'll pick up five, right? It gives me the confidence to say, well, I don't care if nothing happened on Thursday. I'm going to do it again because I know that the numbers will work out. If you don't know your numbers, it doesn't give you confidence to do it over and over again. Yeah, there's a few things, you know, that, that transforms people business, people's businesses that, that I've seen out there. I mean, it's a few quick things. And, and um, you know, when you get bigger, these things change a little bit. You know, when you have 50, 100 employees, I, I think these things begin to change. But, but you know, if you're a four-, five-, six-person business, you know, it's market more and know your numbers so you can decide what marketing channel to use. And so many guys in this business, they don't measure. And their measurement is this. Well, I've, I had $10,000 in my checking account on January 1st, and at the end of January I had 12000 so I must have made a $2,000 profit. That's the, that's the sophistication of most financial advisors. And I've seen guys just, just explode, you know, a number of them in the Rainmaker group when they started tracking their numbers and adding different marketing channels. So um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk. So it's 20. So, so Joe, right? let's go back to your question. So yeah, we're sure. doing the classes. We're doing the the one hour seminars or luncheons, if you would call it, or dinners. If you yeah. Call it. We're doing those, and then we're doing radio. Now, radio is a lost leader for us because we really haven't made any money on radio. But ours is not like a radio program. I'm on a rock and roll station because that's the best I can get out here. So I'm in the western suburbs of Chicago. I'm on a rock and roll station. I do two interviews a month where it's like a five-minute interview on some topic. And then we do like a Sunday show where it's a four- to six-minute segment, four segments during that hour at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So I'm basically just using that for credibility and visibility. But what I'm starting to find now is, is like I said this lady yesterday, people are listening to me, and then they see like an announcement from me. So the two of them together are really starting to blend. Does that make sense? Yeah, for, for, no, totally. For, for two plus years, though, I've lost money on radio, but it's cheap. It's only like $36,000. Yeah, and, and the collateral marketing that you get, that's, that's why, you know, some of these things become hard to measure because they're coming to the workshops because they heard you on the radio or they heard you on TV or, um, or the last time they heard you on TV or radio, maybe they call in for an appointment but it's because they've been getting your invitations for the last three years to come to a workshop, but they never came to a workshop because they're suspicious. And it's just, exactly. It's amazing yeah. how all these things work together. And we have to man, we have to measure everything we can and be honest about it, right? Because some people say, well, you know, I'm using it as a lost leader um, because they don't want to face the reality that they're not making money on it. So we have to be as honest as possible. But at the same time, 
you know, if you know that you're, for every dollar you spend on radio, you're losing 20 cents, but, you know, over doing something else for every dollar you're spending, you're making five bucks, and you see that on the $5 profitable marketing that, um, you know, a lot of those people are saying, well, I heard you on the radio first, hey, there's, there's maybe a message there. You just got to make sure you don't go broke doing it, you know? Yeah, and do you remember the guy that advised himself running a long time ago that talked about wedges? Randy yeah. Schwan, yeah, was Randy, Randy Schwan, yeah, yeah. So, 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 let's just say me and you are in competition together with a guy that comes in and he has five hundred thousand dollars in an IRA or four hundred one k account, right? And he's gone to see you, and he comes to see me. One of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to say, "Well, is Joel on radio?" I'm going to say, "Is he an Ed Slot Master League Tax Advisor? Does he have a full plan or full system?" one to nine, to take care of all of your stuff? Does he do Medicare planning for you? Does he do estate planning for you? Does he have an attorney here? So I'm going to plant all of those wedges in a nice professional manner to say, hey, the full package is here, or you can just go over there and you're only going to get this. So I really believe in using everything, and radio is credibility in addition to, yes, you can get prospects from it. The other things that we do for marketing, Joel, is, is I will do, so I got this idea, by the way, from Gene Andorell down in Florida, who I text with and ask questions with a lot. I have my own room in my office downstairs that's like a training room, and we will do internal for our clients and our prospect list training sessions. So I'll do an estate planning session with the attorney next door. So we work with a company called the Estate Planning Source, where we get paid as a CFP fees. They do estate planning for clients, and then the attorney does all the documents, and it's all uh, on the up and up, and it's all, it's all, I mean, it's a whole system. So me and the attorney train together to do that. So as a CFP, I can charge fees for doing estate planning, because as you know, you have to pass a test in that area. And then we'll do like right now, the SECURE Act just came out, right? Right. So be, being part of Ed Slot's group, literally within two days of that thing passing, Ed Slot sent me a PowerPoint, and he sent me all the information on how it's going to work. And now I'm going to do a webinar, and I'm going to do meetings downstairs on that. And there will be probably literally no advisors in the area that's doing that. So we'll do internal meetings um, to educate clients on different things also. But now we're starting to send that to our prospect list, but our clients come first. So if somebody calls in and says, hey, I'd like to come, I go, you know, sorry, all of our clients are here. You have to come to the next one. So, again, it's an urgency and it's an exclusivity, you know, deal for that person to say, well, geez, I wanted to come in, but I'm not a client. Well, maybe I should be a client. So that's all the marketing that we're doing, Joe. And that's a lot. And and I hope everybody hears the message there that you need to do marketing, do a lot, measure your marketing. And for me, it's don't get bored, right? If I did the same thing all the time, I, I get kind of bored. So, um, Ray, talk about – so – here we are. It's 2020. If we were sitting here in 2023, what does that look like? What does your business look like? Um, you know, what would have to have happened for you to be happy with the way things are going? So let me answer this question this way, Joel. At the first Rainmaker, I think it was in Chicago, right? Um, was it Chicago? I, I think it was Dallas. It was Dallas. It was Dallas. Okay. Well, the one that we did in Chicago maybe was the second one. And I'm sitting next to my good friend, Jack Taboda, who's 
35, 40 minutes north of me. We don't ever compete. We're good buddies. And Jack at the time, I believe, is 62. And Jack says, geez, I should have built my business. I should have built my team, all of this stuff a long time ago. And I went into that meeting going, oh, geez, I don't want to have a 30-person team. That just overwhelms me. And I'm not good at managing people, Joe. I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm 100% better than I was three years ago. And I say to myself, geez, I think at the time I was maybe 52. And I said to myself, well, geez, if I'm the only producer, the business doesn't grow. I'm the only one that's bringing in, again, I'm the rainmaker, right? And I said to myself, wow. Because I came into that meeting, and I don't know if you remember this or not, and I said, hey, Joe, I don't want to build this big team. I just want to make my team better. And when Jack Taboda said, geez, I should have built my team better, I went, holy crap. I need to build a team. And that's when I went on this journey yeah. with you to build a team. Right, before so, you get as old as Jack. you got to do all this before you get as old as Jack. For God's yeah. Sake. I mean, by the way, Jack looks fantastic. Okay, I want that on the record. And he's training right now and doing amazing. So, Jack, if you hear this, you look great. Um, but five years from now, I want to be doing what kind of you're doing, if not earlier than that. I want to do it earlier. Uh, hopefully, if I can, if all the numbers work out and, you know, things go the same way. So I want to have Christian producing like you're, Eric. I want to have two other producers in here. I'll just take care of my clients. So I've got about 300, let's call it 54 clients that are mine. Probably 100 of those are really good fit clients. I want to run the company. I want to do radio. I want to do some of the presentations, some of the classes, because that's what I really enjoy. I enjoy being on the radio, but I don't necessarily want to take on any new clients. That's why Christian's here, right? Christian will be yep. 25 next month. Once he's trained, I can give him all those plans and be here to advise. Um, and, you know, one of my big goals and dreams right now is to get the heck out of Chicago in February. My parents retired in the country of Panama, go down there for the month of February with, you know, the iPhone and the iPad and computers and internet. I can do anything from down there, right? And if I've got a good team built around here, that's what we want to do. And I envision us in, in five years or less doing, you know, about $75 million a year. We've never really been, Joel, big annuity producers. Uh, if people need guaranteed income, we'll give them guaranteed income. If people want a piece of their portfolio that's, you know, principal guaranteed, we'll do that. But we've never really done a tremendous amount of annuities. We like to do market stuff. But, you know, it's a blend, 40-60, 50-50, depending on the year, you know, when when the market's up like it is, you know, very few people want to do annuities. They want to be in the market, right? Um, so it, it just depends on the conversations that we have with clients. Um, but we want to be doing $75 million a year in, in, I think you said, three to five years. Yeah, and that's great. I love how you're so crystal clear, and I hope everybody picked up on that, that you're, you know, the way you describe things, I mean, you've thought this through. And a lot of guys just go, well, I want to double my business. And they don't really think, well, what's it going to look like? You know, you said you're going to have Christian producing two other producers, um, you're going to be, you know, in Panama in February, that, um, you know, you have a real crystal clear vision of that, and, and I like that. Ray, we're getting near the end here. Hey, Joel, um, can, I, can I just throw in a comment there? Sure, please. Because I don't know who's listening to this. It, you know, in the room of the Rainmaker, 
I'm probably the lowest producer in there, right? Um, just based on the numbers that I know for people, but there are, I always wasn't as crystal clear as I am now. It has taken a tremendous amount of research and development, and I'm unfortunately one of those guys that collects like all this data, and sometimes that stops me from making a decision, you know what I mean? Because I'm waiting yeah. for other data, yep. and I'm getting dramatically better at that, especially from one of the things that you taught us really, really early was, is look, if you can write a check to get rid of that problem, write a check. That was one of the best things I've ever learned from you, by the way. Because I don't worry about that stuff anymore. I just write a check and boom, it's off my plate. And I can concentrate on stuff. And the thing that I'm doing right now is, is the 12-week year, I'm really implementing that right now. And it's making me be really, really crystal clear. And you type into stuff into their program online. I think I, I spent another 300 bucks to get that online. And it's making me dramatically more crystal clear, crystal clear, and what I'm doing, I never have been as crystal clear as I am now. Awesome. Awesome. So, Ray, uh, parting, parting last words here, either a piece of advice or encouragement for the people listening. Um, what, what do you want to close with here? Always take care of the client. Never quit. Keep learning. There you go. I like that. Always take care of the client. Never quit. Keep learning. Great, great advice. Ray, this has been a pleasure. Uh, I, man, I've enjoyed getting to know you in the last uh, five or six years or so, and, and I appreciate your support with the Rainmaker Group and, um, you know, your, your wonderful, gracious invitation for me and my son to come out to Indy. We're looking forward to it again this year. Um, it's it's going to be fantastic. What a finish last year. Oh, my gosh, that last 12 or 13 laps. For those of you that think that drivers uh, in NASCAR and Indy just drive around and make left turns in a circle – you need to go back and watch the last 10 or 12 laps of the Indy 500 last year. And remember, these guys are going 230 miles an hour into a turn, and um, it's it's pretty fantastic. So anyway, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, right? But uh, thank you for being on today, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you soon at the World Series of Sales. Remember, Joel, I'm not just eye candy. I know stuff. Okay. <laughs> I will remember that. All right, Ray, thanks a lot, and this has been another uh, version of the Rainmaker Evolution podcast. We appreciate all of you listening. Share the podcast with your friends, and um, we will see you all as soon as possible. <laughs>